Uh, start of talk, take two. Tink. Uh, what am I, am I here for? It is a big question, isn't it? It's a question that uh, has big consequences to it. It's a question that's been asked many times in many places. It's a question that says not only what am I here for, but it talks about significance, it talks about importance, it talks about purpose, it talks about what do I do each day? How do I answer the questions about why I'm here and what I do and how I do that? It's a big question, is it? What on earth am I here for? And many people have tried to answer that over the years. It's not a new question. It's a question that's been asked from the beginning of time through to today. If you had been watching just recently on television, they had Monty Python's Meaning of Life on TV. And uh, though that was tongue-in-cheek, it was still asking the question, wasn't it? Why are we here? What are we to do while we're here? What's it all about? Uh, well, a couple of guys have tried to answer that. I'm going to put up a couple of quotes for you, some people who've tried to have a go at answering for you. Uh, the first one you'll see up there comes up in just a minute. It's called by Arthur Ashley Brilliant. Uh, it says this, My life is a superb cast, but I can't figure out the plot. It's interesting, isn't it? What about the next one? Jack Hanley wrote, I hope life isn't a joke because I don't get it. Carl Jung, who was a famous psychiatrist, said, I don't know the meaning, the purpose of life, but it looks as if something were meant to be or meant by it. Isaac Asimov wrote this, As far as I can see, there is no purpose. It's getting a bit darker, isn't it? Joseph Taylor, he wrote a book entitled this. He says, I have no answers to the meaning of life and I no longer want to search for any. Sad, isn't it? Those last couple, it goes from uh, I'm not sure what it is to I think there's something to there is nothing to I don't even want to find it. Uh, it's very sad, isn't it? Because when we get to that point, if we get to that state, basically life has no meaning. Basically there is no reason to be here and we don't know what's going on and so therefore we just live it meaninglessly, purposelessly and we find no hope, no joy, no direction in life. Uh, so what is it? What is the meaning of life? Where can we go to find the meaning of life? Well, lots of people have tried to find it in different things, haven't they? Uh, they've tried uh, in mysticism. Uh, we live in the Northern Rivers. Uh, we just celebrated, I think, was it the 20th or 30th year of the Aquarius Festival in Nimbin? Uh, that was all about that, wasn't it? It was to find the inner self. Who are we from inside? The whole mystical revolution. Uh, that didn't work. It doesn't work, does it? Uh, there's other ways of trying to find out about it too, don't we? We try and find the philosophical approach. We try and think, well, how does it work? Uh, people who are hedonists say, well, it's just about as much fun as you can have and then that's it. Uh, people who are materialists say, well, if I can get as much stuff, the one with most toys wins. So I try and get as far as I can with that. Uh, but each of those don't work either. Each of those leave us flat because we try all those things and it doesn't get there. Or there's a self-help help approach. Do you know that on Amazon at the moment there is over 90,000 books on self-help stuff? And they're pretty much all the same. Uh, set, a, set, a, set goals, set directions, be motivated, talk yourself up and you'll get there in the end. And Now some of that stuff can be helpful, can't it? But in the end it still doesn't give us purpose. It doesn't tell us why I'm here. And it doesn't help us to live that out in the end. Well, I reckon there's a good place to go to find out why we're here and the place to go is to the guy who made us in the first place. Uh, God made us so we should go to him and find out why we're here. 
Uh, we're going to pick up a, a Bible reading from uh, Psalm 139. Let's have a look at what God says about why we're here. And uh, Karen's going to read that for us, and she's going to read that from her seat. Psalm 139, 13, 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's a great part of the Bible, isn't it? It speaks about how God has made us. Uh, that he is the one who has planned us, that he has actually knit us together and made us and put us together and we're here because of him. Uh, And so if we're here because of him, then we really should go to find out from him why we're here. Uh, Like Matt did with uh, his... uh, Well, actually it wasn't Matt, it was Barry. Barry, when Barry came out, Bazza. He showed us that uh, different things were made for a purpose, weren't they? And when we know that, then we have a reason to live. We can do that. And when we uh, get to know that person, we find out what it is and how we should live. And God's been great to us because he hasn't just left us by ourselves, but we just read from his manual of how we are to live, the Bible. In the Bible, we find out what God's about and we find out what God wants us to do and we find out why we are here. It's a great thing to go to manuals, isn't it, when you find out how the things work? I don't know about you, but blokes tend to not do that, don't, do we? I can remember my kids were given uh, from my parents one day, they were these uh, kite boats. And these kite boats, because they live in Tassie, they sent them up to us and they came and the kids opened them up and thought, this is fantastic, what are they? Uh, well, I thought the front cover said it was a kite, uh, a boat kite. I said, fantastic, let's put it together. So we ripped it open. And we started to put this boat kite together. Uh, I'm not overly handy, maybe a little bit more handy than Barry, uh, but, but as they, were, they weren't quite looking right and the kids were sitting there and were trying to look and it didn't quite fit and they thought, man, what's that? What's going on there? It doesn't quite do. And then one of the kids said, Dad, what about you look at the instructions, the manual for it? No, you don't need to look at that, do you? We can put this boat kite together without that. Well, no, we couldn't. We need to look at the manual. We need to look at the instructions to see how it was put together. And the same with us about why we're here, about the purpose. We need to go to the guy who made us in the first place. We need to go to him, to his instruction manual, to find out why are we here. What on earth are we here for? Where the maker says we're here for a purpose and for a reason. And he says there's an overarching one that covers all of them. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're looking at this overarching reason why you and I are here. And then in the next six weeks, we're going to unpack that and see what that looks like. And in the 40 Days of Purpose, you'll see the book has another six chapters that go and we have a look at these different reasons or different purposes that we're here. But they are all wrapped up in the one big purpose about why you and I are here on this earth. And we have a look at Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Now this is, uh, you'll see this all the way through the Bible if you do read it, but Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 36 highlights that for us. Karen, were you going to read that one for us too? That'd be great. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Pretty simple. It's not that complicated. 
we were made by God for God to bring glory to God. We were made by God for God to bring glory to God. That is the big purpose for you and I. We're actually part of a bigger plan. It's not just about us. It's not just about who we are. It's about God's plan for the world and his glory. It's actually something bigger than you and I why we're here. I've just been reading a really interesting article in Time magazine at the moment. It's called The Me, 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 Me Generation. And it's talking about the generation that we're growing up in now. They're actually called millennials. Do you want to know the new term for those that are growing up now? Uh, They're the people that have been born since about 995 through to approximately now. They're called the millennials. Uh, We've got through X, Y, Z, whatever. Now we're up to the millennials is where we're at. Uh, But it's very interesting as you read that, that we've been on such a strong path through our education system, through everything, that everything's about you and self-esteem and building the person up that people today, people growing up, which is people a bit younger than me, growing up, uh, it's all about them. It's all about their self-esteem and how good they are and what they're about that actually people these days can't take failure. And when people actually get out of schooling and into the system and out there, they actually work out that it's not all about them. That things don't go wrong and they don't get a merit certificate every time they put their hand up and answer the question right. It's an interesting article. It is a really interesting article. I'm going to give it to the teachers at school. There's a few teachers here. But it's a really interesting article. It's not saying that they're the worst generation in all time because there's been... Bad generations all the time, by the way. Uh, But it's just really interesting because we tend to focus everything in the world down to us. Even the question, what am I here for, to a degree, focuses in on us, doesn't it? But the Bible blows it wide. And it says it's actually about something bigger than you. It's about God and his glory. But within that, God has got something important and special for you too. And it's bigger than you. Uh, one of these little quotes in this magazine says that the people of this generation, the me, me, me generation, say that they climb to the top of the hill and they shout, me, it's all about me, look at me. Whereas we should climb to the top of the hill and see the world and view it out there, how big it is. That's just a different perspective, isn't it? You see, we were made by God, for God, to bring glory to God. And that's a great thing for us to understand because that sets us in the framework of the bigger picture. But even within that bigger picture, we see who we are within that too because we have been made by God. We have been made for him. We have been purposefully made. You and I are not an accident. As Baza said, we are not a mistake. It doesn't matter how you've been born, the circumstances wrapped up in that, but you are not an accident. That passage we saw back in one th- Psalm 139 says that God knew you before you were here. He planned you. He put you together. He knitted you together. He formed you to be for him. He had all these days planned out for you, a map for you, even before you were twinkling in your mother and father's eyes. You may not have even been a twinkle in your mother's and father's eyes. You might have actually been to your mother and father a mistake for them. You might have been something that went wrong. It might have been a broken condom. It might have been the fact that you were raped. It might have been something that just didn't work. You might not have been part of their plan, but you're part of God's plan. You are not a mistake. There's a great uh, little picture we're going to click up now, and I think I've showed this before, but... That's a great one that I've had on our uh, fridge for many, many years. It's gone missing for a little while. It's a great one, isn't it? I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. 
We are made by God for God to bring glory to God. We are not a mistake. We are not an accident. We are not just some random particles that somehow got together and formed who you and I are. And God had you in his mind from the beginning. God planned you and God desires for you to live for his purposes. God desires to live for you to know him and love him, which is the second part of our purpose. We are made to live to God's glory. And to live for God's glory means we live the way he planned us to live, the way that he wants us to live. You see, throughout the Bible we hear that everything's been made for God's glory. And people are made for God's glory, when we, what that means is that we're made to show how great he is. We're made to show how wonderful he is. In a sense, we are made in a sense so that God can be shown how good he is. And everything about him and who he is, the essence of him, his might, his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, his justice is his glory. And everything in this world has been made to project towards that. And everything in this world projects God's glory when they are living the way that God desires them to live. Everything in this world reflects God's glory when they are living the way that God desires them to live. So when you see a bird flying, oh, I love eagles. I just ask my kids as I'm driving throughout New Zealand, oh, there's a hawk. There's another hawk. There's lovely mountains, but there's a hawk. I love them. They're fantastic. Not because I go for Hawthorne and they're the hawks, but that's probably part of it. But I love eagles and hawks and the majesty of them. If you go up onto the headland and you watch out and they'll they'll cruise out across the sea there and they'll come back in and they are phenomenal. They just look magnificent. And when you look at their grace and when you look at them gliding, when you look at them flying, they're doing what God designed them to do and they are bringing glory to God. It's wonderful. Dolphins, when you see them in the surf and you watch them and you see them jumping out of the surf and you're just blown away by their sleek lines, the way they can scoot through the waves, the way they jump and they play and they do all that sort of stuff with it. And you go, wow, how good is that? When they're doing that, they are bringing glory to God because God made them to do that. When we look at the mountains and we see the scenery and we see how magnificent that is as we're driving through New Zealand one of the things that blew us away was that scenery you drive around a corner and you see another phenomenal lake you go a little bit further and you'd see mountains snow capped which we don't see up here very often and you'd sit back and you'd go wow how good is this and God made it all and when they're doing what God desires them to do then they are bringing glory to God When we live as God purposed and designed us to live, then we are bringing glory to God. But there's a problem, isn't there? The Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That we're all falling short of actually living the way God desired us to live and designed us to live because sin has entered in. Sin is not living to the fullness of God's glory, not living to the fullness that God desired us to live. It's falling short of that. And falling short of that means that we decide to live life our way, not God's way. And that's called sin. So when we think that we've got it sorted more than God's got it sorted, that's when we go that way. And we're not living the way that God designed us to live. We are falling short of bringing glory to him. And that's sin. That's what separates us from God. That is our problem. And that's why we get, like Matt did at the beginning of 
today when he read through all those things and we're trying to put all this stuff together and everything's happening around us and when we're trying to do all that without God, then we're missing it. We have been designed to live to bring glory to God and the way we do that is by living the way he designed us to live. And he designed us to live to be in a living, loving relationship with him for eternity. That's how he designed us. But we keep falling short of that. We keep missing that. We keep wanting to live it our way. But the great thing about God is he doesn't leave us like that, does he? God steps into that. And even though we fall short of God's glory, he steps in and brings in the most glorious Jesus. And Jesus steps in and he lives the glorious life because he lives exactly the way God wanted him to live. He lives purposefully. He lives meaningfully. He makes decisions. He lives lives. He loves people. He lives the way that God designed us to live. He is the glory of God, it says in the Bible, because he lives the way that you and I were designed. He does everything the way that the Father says, all the way to the cross. You see, for us to bring glory to God, something needs to be done with that fallenness. And God loves us so much that he doesn't leave us that way. He wants us to have that living, loving relationship with him for eternity. So he sends Jesus who lives that perfect, glorious life, who stands in for us, who doesn't deserve to die, takes the penalty for you and I so that we can live the glorious life. That's amazing, isn't it? You see, we were made by God, for God, to bring glory to him. And the way we do that is when we live for him. And the only way we can do that is when we live in the light of Jesus, when we put our trust in him because he comes and lives that glorious life for us and takes the punishment for us falling short so that we can now start to live that glorious life with him forever. So we actually know why we're here, to live the glorious life that God designed us to live from the beginning in a living, loving relationship with him for eternity. All we need to do is to trust that. Uh, when we were in uh, New Zealand just recently, Hamish and I, we flicked down, guys. That's us wondering who we are. Um, can you see that? So Hamish and I went on this thing called the Canyon Swing. Uh, and the canyon swing is the biggest canyon swing in the world. What happens is you stand on this edge of this platform and then there's a 60 metre freefall drop straight down. When it hits the bottom, it then swings out another 105 metres out across the other side of the canyon and then back again. So I, I don't know why we decided to do it. No, so Hamish wanted to do this and I thought, if Hamish can do this, then I'm not going to let him beat me. I'm going to go too. <laughs> Not that I'm competitive or anything like that. There's nothing in that at all. And so when Hamish and I go and we uh, sign up for that, while I'm watching it and thinking, oh, I'm an idiot, what am I doing here? On the screen they have there, they have the footy show and they have Paul Vorton and uh, Peter Sterling and a few of the others and they do the canyon swing. I think, mate, if those wusses can do it, I can do it. Uh, so we decide to go. And what happens is you come out onto this platform and the platform's just hanging out off a cliff and the other side, that's just drop. And uh, you come out, they put a harness on you, they attach you to this. Uh, you can see there there's uh, attached to both Hamish and I. Um, it's like a, a metal 
rope that goes up and attaches to some other things at the top. And you come to the side of the edge. Hamish and I did this first by ourselves. And uh, Hamish was the very first one to go. So he came out and he stood on the edge. And the one that Hamish had to do was the five underpant scariness one. Uh, they rank the canyon swing by underpants, how many underpants you soil as you jump off. Uh, so the five underpants is the most scariest one, which Hamish and I decided, because Hamish did it, I had to do the same one as well. Not that there's competition there either. So that was a five one. And so he walked out onto the edge. He's the first one and everyone's just watching. There's about six of us watching. And he gets to the edge and they actually hang him. He said, they say, come and have a look at the edge. And they hang him out over the edge and then pulled him back. And then they said, this is one you're going to do. It's the one you have your hands behind your back like this. You come to the side of the edge of the thing and then you just... And you go. Straight down. So he's standing at the edge and he's looking over the side and he said, are we ready to go yet? And and the blokes, you'll see them, these guys, they're pretty characters, aren't they? He says, they said, look, we can't decide when you're ready to go. You've just got to make a decision. So he gets there and and he goes, okay. And as he does that, they go, no, not yet! (laughs) And he goes, shoo! All the way off the edge as he flies down and scoots off the other end. (laughs) So if you hadn't heard Hamish, he was going, ah! As he's flying down. If you want to hear what I said, you can watch Hamish's iPhone. He's got it recorded, what I said. But just bleep out whatever you may not think I should have said. Um, uh, but it, it, it's scary. It is scary. I tell you what, you're standing on the edge. You think, should I? But what you've got to do is you've got to trust that what you're attached to, to this line is going to hold you, that it's solid and it's got you and it's not going to let you fall. And we're here, so it worked. It works, it works. But I think sometimes that's like us with Christianity. It's like with us, do I really want to trust God in this? Do I really want to, initially, do I really want to trust Jesus? Can I step off this and will that line hold me? Will Jesus hold me? I, I, I prayed the whole way down while I was screaming. You can pray and scream at the same time. It's quite amazing, you know. You should try it sometime. But you've got to trust that. The amazing thing is when we think about trusting Jesus, we've got to think about the fact that he didn't just die, did he? But he rose from the dead. He didn't go to the grave and stay in the grave. He came out of the grave. He rose from the dead. He defeated death. And he says, if you trust me, I'm going to take you through life and into eternity with me. I have got you. Trust me. It might be scary to step off and you may scream a little bit, but he's got you. When you do trust in Jesus, sometimes we think, but really, has he got me? Does God really know what's best for me? And sometimes we want to hang on that platform, don't we? But we need to step off because he's got us. He's created the world. He's made everything that is. He has planned you from the beginning. He has a purpose and meaning for your life. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. He rose Jesus from the dead so that we can have eternity with him. And he wants to take us to have a living, loving relationship with him now and forever that doesn't end. He's done that for us. He will hold us and he has got you. Step off the edge. Trust in Jesus. Trust that God has got you and will swing you to the other side and bring you back 
and direct your life. What on earth am I here for? It's a good question, isn't it? We're here to bring glory to God. God made us for him to bring glory to him. That's what we're on about. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack that. What does that look like? How do we put legs on that? What does that look like as we wake our way through things? We're going to unpack it over the next 40 days. As you read through your book, as you come to church on Sundays, as we work that through in our growth groups, we're going to think that through. I want to encourage you to go home from here. I don't know where all of you are at. Some of you may be thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this all together yet. I'm not 100% sure where I'm at with it. Well, keep thinking it through. Keep coming along. Keep thinking about it because God will work with you. You may be someone who's been stumbling in your Christianity and you've just been unsure where you're at. I I trust in in Jesus, but my life is just not going the way I, I think it should be going. Well, this is going to be great for you because it's going to give you really good encouragement for where God wants you and his desires for you and his purpose for you. If you've trusted God for a long time, if you've been trusting in Jesus and you've been growing with him, you're maturing him, well, this is going to enable you to even go deeper with him. It's going to encourage you to grow in him. So come along. Don't miss it. We're not here next week, but from here on in, we're going to be looking at till the end of the term. We're here because God made us. We're here for him. We're here to bring glory to him. And we're to do that because he loves us so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, that... You haven't left us to work out why we're here all by ourselves, Lord. That that big question of what on earth am I here for has been answered by you, Lord, because you made us, you created us, you formed us, Lord, and you've made us uh, to be people to bring glory to you. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that even though we fall short of that, you brought Jesus who lived and died and rose again so that we can live for you. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, for the times we haven't trusted you, for the times we've doubted, for the times we've stayed on that ledge. Help us, Lord, to step off and trust you, Lord. Help us to step off and seek to live for you in everything that we do. Lord, we pray that you may do a mighty work in our lives, Lord. Transform us, change us, work within us, Lord, to be people who truly live for your glory and love doing it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.